welcome to Bunta Vista episode 94, creeping up on the big 100, at which point I believe we get a phone call from the Queen. Uh, I'm Andrew. I'm joined, of course, by Ben. Hello, Ben. Hey. Hey. Ben is feeling sprightly this morning. He got a lot of sleep. He didn't drink too many beers, and that's great news for everyone. Yeah, um, certainly I think it would have been like, just throwing out as a random example, but if I had been drinking since... 7.30 yesterday morning and then got home at 1.30 and then got up at 6.30 this morning, I would feel like fucking absolute garbage and just pure shit. But that's definitely not what happened. So I well, actually feel great. really good and like vital, healthy. Vibrant. I definitely don't wish I was still asleep. <laughs> well, that's great because that'd be a bad example for all the kids that listen but, to the show. It'd be horrible. <laughs> a lot of teens out there, hey... <laughs> Guys, stay in school. Bad, bad example for all those uh, all those ten year olds who tune in for the latest news about Bigfoot's dick. <laughs> it's still there. That's the update. Still swinging. Still swinging after all these years. Uh, joining us from across the seas in one direction uh, is Lucy. How you doing, Lucy? <laughs> Hi, I'm good. I would love if we had like 10 year old fans. Like if some 10 year old stopped me on the street and was like, oh, I love Bunta Vista. Rule. <laughs> oh my God. I love when you guys, um, when you guys do the relationship section about grown men who can't clean all the shit off their asses. Yeah. Dump him, sweetie. <laughs> dump him. Oh dear. And uh, even further across one ocean or another in one direction or back this way and all the way around, geography is not my strong point, we are joined by a beloved friend of the show, um, returning guest and co-host of the Trash Future podcast, it's Riley. Hello. Yes, Hi, Riley. I'm across several different seas, but I think mm -hmm. if Brexit continues going the way it's going, I think England might have to move to the moon, uh, but we <laughs> shall see. <laughs> Now, of course, this is a thing that we uh, that we kind of wanted a little update from you about, which is um, what's what's the deal with Brexit in it? That's the segment. That's what we're going to call. What's oh, the yeah. deal then? <laughs> I mean, what would be even more incredible than you guys having like ten-year-old fans who love all like the nature stuff and the the sort of you know Australian political analysis would be that. If you like became a respected Brexit commentary podcast, I would really be here for that. <laughs> just, well, just a, just a bunch of Australians getting really interested in like the parliamentary arithmetic of the indicative votes. Well, see, this is the problem: is that this would require us to have like even sort of a fundamental grasp of what's happening and where it's at. I think uh, when we had when we had your colleague uh, Milo Edwards on the show. And he gave us a bit of a talking to about Brexit, which as soon as you learned about this, you said, oh, no, you let him on to talk about Brexit without <laughs> me there to moderate his views and yell at him for being wrong. To be fair, I was probably going to be immoderating his views. <laughs> well, like, um, no, yeah. the, European, the European Union is, a, is an institution of capitalism. It must be fought at every turn, but it also should probably be stayed in by us because Brexit is basically a product of the a project of the far right. Hmm. Um, how else are you? What's the what's the chain of pubs that the dude owns? Um, oh, oh God, yeah, Weatherspoons. Weatherspoons, um, yeah. How's how's the Weatherspoons guy gonna get richer without Brexit? 
You know? I don't. I mean, I don't know. He needs to continue getting a lot of money to keep doing what I assume is expanding his face by about an inch every year. Um, the man will, has um, an enormous face. How will Jacob Rees-Mogg be able to legalize the human fox hunts that he wants to do <laughs> on his property? Well, you know what happened actually. <clears throat> Um, because now what's the way that the chips have gone down because the chips are now down, um, is there is a new, 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 new party that's been formed to sort of defend and pursue uh, Brexit in the vision of the Jacob Rees-Moggs of the world. Um, it's called the Brexit part. No, I think it's called England forward or Brexit party, whatever. I can't remember what it's called, but. His daughter, Anunziata Rees-Mogg, is running as a member, an MEP. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. A real, uh, that, like, I've never heard a name that so clearly says to me, um, you know, of the people. The really? People really working class folk. <laughs> what people often oh. forget about Jacob Rees-Mogg is that he's one year younger than Marilyn Manson. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> But in fairness, um, he looked he looked like he was the same age as Marilyn Manson is now when he was fucking 12 or whatever. You can find that old picture of him. Um, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Looking he's like... he's wear, wearing a monocle and um, the people he's wearing as shoes are just out of uh, frame. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a profile in, I want to say it was in Vice, maybe in Vice, um, like during the sort of 2016... We did ketamine with Jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> During a during the U.S. election campaign, there was a profile of a guy um, of like an Australian teen who was a big Donald Trump fan, um, and there's all these pictures of him like you know reclining on a leather sofa in like a five piece suit. Mm, I can picture um, this man very vividly. I remember him. Yeah. Oh, just an absolute like a really weird looking unit in exactly the same way as as Jacob Rees Mogg has that kind of um has the the Habsburg chin and. I've never uh, seen this guy. There's pictures of him literally wearing like a top hat. <laughs> he looks like a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's but it's Roasted. that same thing where it's like uh, I'm 13 and I'm talking about um, yeah how I would like to to demonize the poor and also I look like a 90 year old man. Some people just have that flavor from the get go, and Jacob Rees Mogg is right up there. Oh, he's a slender man uh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm I'm pretty sure I like yeah I know I said that thing about how old he is but I'm also pretty sure he's like ageless um mm. he sort of sprung fully formed from like a like a cartoon in Russia in the in the Soviet era he's a, he's a, he's a USSR cartoon basically mm. um he's he's interesting but I actually find more interesting uh, Marc Francois who um is an MP from Essex who like basically his whole thing is like my dad was in the army and I won't be afraid to f literally fight Germany if they don't give us the Brexit <laughs> deal that we want. It's like these basically these guys now are just like praying for war because I feel like I've said this theory before and I'll say it again. The sort of intellectual leaders of Brexit are basically a bunch of guys who were born uh, boomers who were born too late to have fought in World War II. And were too old to uh, have played a lot of first-person shooters, and so they never really had a purpose or a great battle in their life, and they're just thirsty for glory. And so the biggest thing they can do is try to fuck up Britain's relationship with a trade block. <laughs> Feels like a problem that could be easily solved if someone uh, just introduced them to paintball. Well, well, a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, sort of you might say of 
Facebook style uh, Brexiteer posters. So like, you know, people's aunts and so on. Now we're actually starting to believe that the that Britain did leave the European Union on March 29th because like a piece of legislation was signed improperly, and my so I think yeah good let him. That's the um. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's going to have the same sort of outcome as like uh, the the people who the people in the states who convince themselves that like technically taxation has never been legal. It's unconstitutional, <laughs> and that's why I'm not paying my taxes until I go to prison for five years like Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah, um, so basically, to, uh, circling back slightly to update everybody here in Australia on how it's going in the UK. Hi, things are basically fine, sort of, for now, um, <laughs> where we basically, we were supposed to leave the European Union on March 29th, and then... Because everyone who voted to leave the European Union basically voted for like an imaginary great thing, um, it's like it's 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 like your your it's like it's 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 um what was this? It, it's like the opposite of the um of the of the Gamja Bar in Dune, where it's like it's just it's the perfect thing that you always imagine, and it's directly tailored towards what everyone wanted. So like the classical liberals were like, yes, it will turn us into a free trading paradise, and the sort of overt racists were like, finally, we can get rid of everyone who's not white, somehow. Um, and they all just were able to dream about what it was. But then, when the waveform collapsed and, like, it actually had to be worked out what leaving the European Union meant, they were like, yeah, we negotiated a deal. Basically, we lose a lot of money and don't gain much of anything and, in fact, don't really take back any of the control we were so interested in taking back because we'd still need to, like, align to the European Union for most things about trade because of, like, they're right there and they're quite rich. Um, they were like, ah, well, now that this is real, it kind of sucks. And, and so no one could vote for anything. Like, there wasn't a majority for any form of Brexit, including revoking Article 50 and just staying in the European Union, having a second referendum. Like, there was no majority <laughs> for anything. Nothing. So that's, that's kind of what I've been, <clears throat> you know, I'm, uh, seeing from the external point of view is because it's not a thing that I, I follow super closely. You know, when Milo was on, I sort of remarked on it as there's all these different things going on in the world and apparently my brain selected brexit as the one it does not have bandwidth for um, <laughs> no fine good that's true because every time you look I forgot. yeah every time you look it is another it is another series of like ah theresa may has lost another sequence of 35 different votes on things <laughs> that her own people put forward and, I mean, um, and yeah, so so just everything that gets offered up at every turn, people look at and go, oh, it turns out this is actually really bad for us, like it was going to be the whole time, and refuses mm. to vote for it. So it's not the thing that I, it's not the thing that I fantasized about, how dare you? Because um, this is, this whole matter. thing, it's like, Theresa May, A, her approach to governance has basically just been to step on rakes every day <laughs> since she was made Prime Minister. She's stepped on a record number of rakes. Um, it's great for the rake industry, though. <laughs> yeah, big rake is, uh, pardon the pun, <laughs> sweeping in the cash. Um, uh. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, but the interesting thing is, like, all of these, all of these outcomes, every single one of these outcomes, is ridiculously unlikely. But one of them has to happen, which is very strange. Um, can I can I confirm another thing though, which is yes. a, a thing that I think I wasn't very aware of. Um, so something that people talk about in Australia with like a problem with our electoral system or, or something that pisses them off a lot is that we, we don't have fixed parliamentary terms. 
Um, mm. there, there is kind of a window in which an election has to be declared. Um, and so depending on what's happening politically, often governments can either, you know, rush or drag things out depending on, you know, their, their particular fortunes and trying to make, you know, specific things happen in time, all that sort of stuff. And a lot of people look at that and say, hey, this sucks and we should have fixed terms so that Ooh. you know people just have to do this thing at a certain date. And my understanding is that the, the UK did that one or two terms ago. And that in turn is what is now leading to this situation where what would normally be happening if a prime minister was putting up, you know, piece after piece of legislation and attempt to get a deal over this thing and everybody was rejecting it at every turn is they would say, you know what? This is totally fucked. I can't get anything done. Let's declare an election. Someone will get voted in. They, they will actually have some sense of, you know, some mandate for what they want to do, all that sort of thing. But she can't do that because they're on fixed terms now. That's correct, yes. In fact, you can see this whole thing as like an implosion of the British Constitution that was more or less done by David Cameron for almost no reason. Um, or like more, more moreover... It was done by David Cameron, like, as a series of favors to some of his sort of friends and colleagues, um, because he did two things. When he was first when he was elected in 2010, we passed the Fixed Term Parliaments Act because he was like, ah, I'm in coalition with the Liberal Democrats. Um, I don't want to risk being, like, outvoted. And so the Fixed Term Parliaments Act was passed in such a way that it would have been at that time in that parliament... Um, basically electorally impossible to overthrow him through a confidence vote or um and a confidence vote meaning like the failure of a piece of legislation like he basically it basically david cameron was just like like when you're playing a game of ta like of tag as a kid and there's clearly the guy who's just making up all the rules as he goes along like no actually i can't be i can't be it if i'm touching the tree and it's like wait i didn't know about that before he's like yeah look it up look it up in the rule book and he's just scribbling out the rules so basically david cameron governed like an improv class for uh, five, for five or so years um and the fixed term parliaments act was literally just to shore up his government and make it electorally impossible for the Lib Dems in that particular situation uh, to unseat him. And he just didn't really think it would have any kind of impact, knock on impact, like, say, the shredding of the British Constitution, such as uh, poorly defined as it is. And then by basically creating a mandate of um, like a referendum mandate to like take some huge change, which, again, not something that we do frequently, but also rendering the like the British government unable to change in as much as it's not been able to act out that referendum properly. Basically, David Cameron, through sheer incompetence, but also self-dealing, has broken Britain, or at least broken the British government. Like, a lot of people have broken Brit like different parts of Britain for a while. It's a pretty fucked up place. But this is particularly, this stands out to me particularly, as the kind of Oxford, Etonian overconfidence um, that leads to just, um, that leads to, you know, a quite a large deal of fuckery. I mean, the thing about, about Blair and Brown, you love him or hate him, and, you know, I tend to the, the latter, is that, like, when they would go on retreats with their staff to, like, the checkers or all the various country houses in which most of English like policymaking takes place, they would like sleepless nights working constantly. They'd come out with some policies that would suck, but they would they would at least have put work in. All Cameron ever did was like drink pims and play croquet because the whole point of conservative governments is like 
to sort of roll back the state and just govern shittily. And so this is sort of that particular chicken coming home to roost. Yeah, and um, I, I wonder as the well. Like, <laughs> I wonder literally, as well. Literally, uh, it what, was called that. Jeez. I wonder as well what is the, the chance here is that like what he's sort of inadvertently wound up doing is uh, making it so that like the the Tories are now just just getting absolutely shredded over time where you know all, all that's happening because they can't actually pull the pin and say look this sucks and we're not getting anywhere we would like to limit the damage as much as possible let's just call an election if we get thrown out we get thrown out and then it's somebody else's problem um whereas like they can't do that they they just have this se- you know never-ending series of of rake stepping failures and like the public is seeing all of this oh yeah uh, so so yeah like you know is there the chance basically that that the impact for for the conservatives there is going to be so much more worse than it would have been if they had have just been able to say look this is this is going very badly call an election labor will get in they'll be the ones who have to deal with all the brexit stuff people will remember it happening on their watch or whatever you know <laughs> instead people are just seeing them fail over and over and over and over again and <laughs> getting I mean, sicker and sicker of it it's cool so we'll you know do you think that this will contribute more significantly to them either being thoroughly defeated at a general election or even you know being in the political wilderness for generations i'm pretty i'm looking forward to the conservative party um becoming the the Whigs, you know, like or like the Free Soilers or like the the Silver Standard Party, like one of these weird, old, outdated political parties that was around for like the 19th century and was just based on like the corn laws or whatever. I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> um, but I think one thing to, to remember, right, is that they basically see uh, Jeremy Corbyn as an existential threat to them. So, like, they would never, under any circumstances, ever risk uh, getting rid of power. I mean, the 2017 general election was um, just a massive rake step because uh, Theresa May just thought that because Labour was polling poorly, she could shore up that majority, right? Like, they would never risk giving Labour the reins, especially because, like, they don't agree on what what they think Brexit is anyway. So, like, a lot of them still think it's a good idea. A lot of the country still does think it's a good idea. Like, there was a second referendum tomorrow. I'm really not sure what would win. Now, if it was a second referendum of Remain versus May's deal, probably Remain, because May's deal doesn't allow you to, like, imagine that everything will be great like it was in the 70s and your dick will work again and you'll have hair or whatever it is that they voted for. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I do think that would that would go that way. I mean, the thing is also to remember, right, is that with the with their other with the, if you before the fixed term parliaments act, like an election would automatically happen if a party like just was defeated on one of its um, main legislative uh, like platforms, like main like main um, plat- like star pieces of legislation. They they could make it a confidence vote to try and force their MPs to vote for it, whatever. And then an election would just happen. They wouldn't be like, oh, well, they can they can clean this mess up. Like, no, like they British because Britain's like an elected dictatorship, basically. If you have the support of your party, which ordinarily you do, um, it, it's um, you never ever want to like give an inch of power to anyone else, especially because like like labor po- a labor conference policy is pretty clear. Like the strategy is to maintain as an alignment with the European Union. Um, how that gets how that gets taken taken forward, whether that's like staying in the customs union and the single market, which would basically change nothing, 
or some other kind of agreement that they've already that the EU has already said they're open to. Uh, it's less clear because Labour hasn't really had to have a position because they're not in government. They just have to keep challenging the government and allowing the government to tear itself to shreds, which, again, they have been doing very impressively. It's like one of those... Um, it's like one of those cartoon fights where it's a great big dust dust ball with sort of fists and boots and tattered <laughs> bits of suit coming out of it. Well, this is probably a, a good point at which to segue um, to our, our own domestic politics and our um, general election that has just been called. Because th- there are kind of similarities for us in terms of we have a, a conservative government currently, a conservative coalition government, who seemingly kind of don't actually have the the confidence of the full party they they've lost enough seats due to like people being uh, constitutionally disqualified because you know their great granddad was born in greece or whatever um the, we have that weird string of things there and also people who have um you know quit or been forced out due to scandals and that sort of stuff so they have a small enough majority now um that they they're really struggling to get their own legislation passed, which, as you said, at a previous point in time, if a government was sort of at the end of a term and didn't really have have the parliamentary authority to get their own um, pieces of legislation through, generally the, an election would be called. People would go, ah, well, we're not really, we don't really have it happening here. We either need to shore up this majority or get the fuck out of here. But, much like you're saying about the Conservatives there... They're also completely unwilling to ever, like, canvas the idea of ceding authority to the Labour Party. So they've been desperately dragging this thing out for a while, while at the same time seemingly being on the verge of, like, existential obliteration. Because (laughs) the party itself has been, like, internally rending um, over whether or not they are, you know, a, a hardcore right-wing conservative party or whether they they want to be you know a a moderate small l liberal party um so a lot of a lot of the stuff that they've had to talk about recently has all been culture wars stuff it's all been opposing same-sex marriage and freaking out about you know doing anything at all to mitigate climate change um all that sort of stuff which is in turn massively damaging them with their own voter base who, you know, some some of which are just small business owners who, who want to be free to put the boot to workers, but also actually believe in climate change, stuff like that. Um, and they are also partnered with their junior partner in the coalition, which is the, the Nationals, who are like basically the, the country party. You know, they represent a lot of a lot of rural electorates. And the only thing that those guys have been doing for a generation or two now is... Um, making sure that mining conglomerates have all the rights to uh, bulldoze and drill the fuck out of every bit of land out of there and not actually doing anything for farmers for years and years now. So they are also getting destroyed at elections. There's like massive swings against them everywhere. And it kind of seems like they're maybe on the verge of, like I don't think it'll happen, but like they might even be on the verge of if they get destroyed hard enough, will there be some massive reckoning inside the liberal party to say are we are we a hard right party or are we smaller liberals and there might be a splitting of the coalition between the liberals and the nationals all that sort of thing but one thing's for sure it's going really badly so (laughs) prime minister scott morrison he has announced an election 
Uh, and it's not going not going great in the several days that the campaign has been running. <laughs> right, Ben? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not been great. Uh, uh, there's been some, there's been a, f- a few flubs, a few stubbed toes. I mean, um, I, I think there's one. There's are we, one are we, already are we in rake stepping up. territory yet, or or how are we doing? Oh, we had a great rake step yesterday, which was um, <laughs> this this tweet from uh, uh, Michael Coziol, um from from Fairfax, who has been on the on the campaign trail with Scott Morrison. Now, like we said, he's he's been on the campaign trail for I think two, maybe three days now. Um, it's not very long to have it's stepped not on several rakes at all. Um, and we got we got this one just yesterday. Uh, this tweet from Michael Coziol: Are the perils of the campaign streetwalk? Scott Morrison says ni hao to an Asian voter in Strathfield Plaza. She responds, oh "I'm Korean." <laughs> oh god, it's so bad. <laughs> and like apparently, apparently Strathfield has like a massive Korean population. And the vast majority of like the the restaurants and stores and stuff um, that are Asian owned are like all Korean. It's very, very much like a Korea town type place. Um, but no, all you might actually find that all Asian people are Chinese. It's just such a weird thing to do as well. It's not like you'd like be like, aha, a white person, guten tag, like <laughs> <laughs> bonjour. <You just laughs> fucking say hello, you fucking weirdo. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, that was that was a conversation that was happening here um, with my um, uh, just staying with my my parents at the moment, who have my aunties and uncles visiting, and uh, you know, someone said, "Oh, well, you know, he he should have said this thing in that case, <laughs> you know, he should have said Anyong. and my mum said he should have said hello, <laughs> like." What? What are you yeah, this, doing? It's very much like the ah, uh, we are we are pleased to have you from your exotic land. Bra- look upon our many strange animals. It's like, it's like, d- does he, he? He seems to sort of think that what this is Australia in the sort of nineteenth century. That this is all sort of cultures mixing for the first time. Oh, I mean, it's the other thing, extremely sh- good. The other thing I think it shows, and this is something that I, I think of a lot for here as well, is that this goes even goes back to the democracy thing is like right-wing and center-right-wing politicians seem to just be riven with this overconfidence that I can just walk up to someone and I can I can start just guessing what language they speak based on a quick glance. I'm not even going to Google the area I'm going to politically <laughs> campaign in. I'm just going to wing it. Um, and, I mean, yeah, it, it causes them to step on quite a few rakes. And, like, if they weren't, you know the um the parties of uh, established capital power they would have been like booted out for breathtaking ineptitude quite a long time ago it's like they're just Absolutely. it's like they're just kept there to taunt us with their shittiness because it's like it doesn't matter how shitty i am capital's on my side so so the other thing that's happened um that has been making the conservative government here just just monumentally short circuit is that Bill Shorten's Labour opposition has said that um, a, a policy that it would that it's going to take to the election is that it would aim for half of all new cars produced to be electric by 2030, and would work with the industry to lift car emission standards I, a bit. Sorry, I hate to interrupt you. No, 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 no. I think I oh. think they announced um, they're going to build a giant claw machine, and then it, mm-hmm. it's it's going to drop down, uh, and if you've got a Hilux. It's going to grab your Hilux and it's going to take it away from you in the dead of night. 
I think that's that's the policy that they announced. Is that the big the big claw machine is going to drop down, smashing through the roof of your garage, um, mm. taking you know a hundred thousand dollars off the value of your house and property. Oh. They'll drag the Hilux out, and they do it. In, they do it in the dead of night, um, out in the street where all your neighbors can see. They make an example of you. Mm. First, they Molotov cocktail. They firebomb the car. They let it burn out in the street, um, and then the big claw machine picks it up. And drags it away to throw it into a big landfill of of charred, burned out Hilux corpses. And my mm. understanding is that that'll happen the stroke of midnight as yes. we enter January first, twenty thirty. Yeah. Yes. The the instant the instant um, the election campaign is over, I think Which, uh, like as as Bill Shorten is declaring victory, you can see all the the big claw machine cranes revving up behind him, black smoke <laughs> pouring out of them menacingly. Yeah, and, to me. Um, that okay. was a weird policy to announce. <laughs> <laughs> a little tone deaf. It's a bit strange. Especially because he was like, no, this is for all, this is in support of all the genders. I'm, and I'm, just, I'm destroying all of the, of the gas-guzzling Hiluxes to stop global warming, but also it's, 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 it's for genders, for all Every of the various genders. Mm, one Hilux that removes is one more gender that exists. <laughs> One more, one more letter on the LGBT acronym. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I learned, I learned through this that the the Toyota Hilux, um, you know, which is just a, a a Ute utility vehicle, is Australia's most popular car. I didn't know yeah, that. We've we've got one. Oh, there oh, you wow. go. Well, I'm, well, I'm my condolences. My condolences. <laughs> <laughs> not for long. We're so, burying um, it, uh, digging a very yeah. big hole in the backyard, and uh, keeping it. Keeping it wrapped in plastic and safe down there. So, so there's been a range of reactions to this, right? Which have all been extremely funny, because again, in in the global scheme of things, and and the extent to which Australia has completely abdicated any and all responsibilities um, on the world stage for doing anything to curb our emissions over the last what six eight years, mm. um, since as soon as as soon as Tony Abbott got in. They, they repealed the, the, you know, relatively moderate uh, carbon price stuff that we had in place. Uh, and as soon as they did, our emissions shot back up and passed what they were before it came in. Um, so now... Yeah, Australia's number one. That's right. We're number one. We're... And like per capita, yeah, we are massively, massively polluting. Um, but... You know, I like this. This to me is not a particularly, not a particularly ambitious thing to say. Oh, we we will introduce you know very mild market controls to kind of push things in the direction that they are absolutely going anyway. Mm. This well, also has produced... it seems it seems weird to do, try to to do that with cars as well. It's like yes, by twenty thirty, we're hoping that half of the cars are electric, but at that point, most of us are going to need boats because quite a bit's going to be underwater already. Like, it seems like applying a Band-Aid to someone who's already dead. Well, it's it's also a thing that is, like, very much supported by all of the liberal voters who, who are just rich people. Because they all have incredibly expensive waterside property, you know? <laughs> and they're all the sorts of people who would love to spend a shitload of money on a fancy Tesla. Um, so, that's that's one of the areas in which there is, like, this real this real sort of um, division in, in Liberal Party voters at the moment is there are a bunch of people out there who have a lot of money and hate poor people and taxes and everything, 
but also they're like, uh, I also think that this stuff is real and wouldn't mind if the government had like some semblance of a policy to address it, you know? So this has produced these reactions that have been um, quite simply marvelous. Uh, here's a clip. Here's a clip for you of uh, Michaelia Cash, who is the, what is she, the minister for small business and shit? Sure. Um, small I like, business I like her and name. shit. That's I like I it. like her name. The ability of conservatives to just add extra syllables and silent <laughs> letters is just it's all it always impresses. And it only New Nikalia. World conservatives do it. They don't do it in the UK. But like in, you can if someone ha, if someone's called should be called called Michaela, which is the normal name, but they toss an extra syllable in there. You know, you know that they don't think climate change is real and that they think prison <laughs> islands are a good thing to have. Now you might love her name, but you're really gonna love her voice. Um, she's, <laughs> so, so this is, she's doing a campaign appearance alongside Scott Morrison. Um, and she's, she's right up there as far as like, um, as far as conservative politicians in this country who I think really, really pride themselves on just being attack dogs, you know, mm. um, adherence to reality is not a requirement. What is required is that you get in front of a camera at every opportunity and talk about how yeah, Bill Bill Shorten is revving up the great big, <laughs> the great big crane machine. So this is in the wake of this. She is um, she's in a uh, what what are, what are we talking about? She's in a, at, a, at a mechanics where there's a bunch of cars, you know, up on the up on the big lifts behind her, and some extremely bored uh, mechanics standing behind her, not at all interested in what she's saying. Scott Morrison's there smirking away as Michaelia Cash details what is about to happen to the very men standing in the room with her. Here we go. And in fact, this morning we met Johnny. Johnny has been here for 30 years. This is the only job he has ever had. He started as an apprentice and his son has now joined him in this great family business, also undertaking an apprentice. But what I worry about for people like Johnny is that the car he is driving today, if a Labor government is ever elected, will not be the car he is driving tomorrow. In fact, if you look behind us at all of these apprentices here, 50% of those apprentices will be driving an electric vehicle under Bill Shorten. We are going to stand by our tradies and we are going to save their utes because we understand choice. And that is what Bill Shorten is taking away from our tradies. What? What does this mean? I love a nice measured response to a policy. Get, get this, they're going to have a different car under Labor. And Fuck. like, yeah, the, the the immediate suggestion that, like Ben said, you know, at the instant that uh, the instant that Labor wins this election, they're going to immediately send out the car police to confiscate everybody's <laughs> vehicles. And well, like, the, what, what we don't understand is that if you're going to work on fixing an electric car, it's you actually have to wear a tampon. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. A government supplied and inserted tampon. Yeah. If you're going if you're gonna get up under an electric car, um, like you know, uh, like driving under Bill Shorten, because uh, also he'll get very big if Labour is elected. It'll be very, very large and he'll be striding across the length and breadth of Australia, directing his <laughs> army of cranes, and you'll be driving under him. Um yeah, you do have to put on a tampon and um you do have to sort of 
you you have to sort of be lying forward on a bed, kicking your feet back behind you. Again, it's it's the it's the gender thing. Uh, for every Hilux that's destroyed, one of those mechanics will be assigned a new gender. <laughs> <laughs> like just just the the ridiculousness of it. Like it's it just bears absolutely no relevance to like the reality of what's being spoken about, and immediately turns into all of the these generations of proud Hilux drivers will be deprived of the opportunity to and like, drive the Hilux? Like, what is the negative here? I'm very confused. Well, I mean, the Hilux is a beautiful car, but... Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, they, there's, they there's another issue with this, though. There's another issue with this. Is the Toyota... Toyota has immediately come out. Well, they've immediately come out and said, oh, yeah, we're going to have an electric version of the Hilux out within six years. Yep. <laughs> Shit. We, we are converting all of our cars to electric, they said, because that's the way everything's going to work. I'm, uh, I'm trying to find who figured this out, but one of the Ospol journalists found that uh, the Liberal Party's already doing targeted, like micro-targeted ads for your, like the specific make of car that people have. So <laughs> oh, it's wow. like they want to take away Holden Newts. They're trying to steal your fucking Mazda BT50. <laughs> Like it's fucking They're bonkers. They're just so like, yeah. Uh, now, now, would you like some more really good statements about this? God, uh, yes. Finance Minister Matthias Corman, um, oh, who I believe is what a name. Well, he's he's from Austria and he sounds exactly like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's <laughs> really does. good. He actually does. Like it's a thing that people make jokes about, and then you hear him on an interview, and you go, oh, okay. Um, Finance Minister Matthias Coleman said that the government liked electric cars, but that did not mean that Australians should be compelled to buy them. I like ice cream, and I buy ice cream, but I'm not proposing a law that says 50% of everybody's food has to be ice cream, he said. (laughs) (laughs) I happen to think that Brussels sprouts is an amazing and very healthy food, and I happily eat it regularly, but I'm not proposing a law that 50% of all food that Australians consume must be Brussels sprouts. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect Good. analogy. Completely thanks, thanks. relevant. Thanks for the update, Matthias. <laughs> that's, and, and of course, that's exactly what's being proposed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's because, again, it's externalities aren't a thing. The whole world is just consumer preferences. So really what's happening is just, it, it's just they, they think that electric cars are nice and they need you to be nice, and they're legislating you being nice. But no, you have a constitutional right as an Australian to be a dickhead. Well, there, there is a lot of... Um, I mean, a- apart from the fact that this is... Personally, this is one of my absolute favourite types of argument, which is to take the issue, completely remove it from any context in which it exists and is relevant, mm-hmm. and then apply it to something completely irrelevant and say, see, you don't like it so much now, do you? You don't like it so much now when it's about something completely different. Can, can I have a glass of water, please? What if you were drowning in water? Would you want water then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ah, like you drinking a glass me. of water, but what if I put a glass of piss down in front of you and you had to drink that? You wouldn't like that so much? Well, water's not sounding great now, is it? What? What? <laughs> So there's 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 that whole type of of argument which I really love, <laughs> but it does it does all come back to this idea um, that there are there are like um, the the more what are supposedly the more moderate liberals within the party 
have joined this attack. Um, and by, by more moderate liberals, we mean raging libertarians. And they have joined this attack um, by, of course, um, deferring to the, the classic and completely true position that has been borne out over and over again, which is, hey, we're all going to have um, electric vehicles sooner or later, and the market will sort that out. The market oh, will good. sort out when that happens. Mm. Everybody's everybody's going to do it, and it's fine. Electric vehicles are happening, and that's the way that it's going. But um, the the market is just sorting that out for itself, and we don't need any kind of market controls or government intervention because that's happening just fine. And as we all know, we can all look at all of the evidence around the world of the market responding and stopping using you know uh, profitable um, like combustible fossil fuels uh, instead to just very kindly. Um, kindly switch over to things that they don't actually have to or be forced to do. Well, that's good. There's, sort um, of. <laughs> there, there, there is another slight issue with this whole thing. Oh, no. Um, oh, oh, sorry. Here's, here's one more for you. Prime Minister Scott Morrison on Sunday said that electric vehicles were unaffordable and, quote, are not going to tow your trailer. It's not going to tow your boat. Bill Shorten wants to end the weekend when it comes to his policy on electric vehicles. Oh, boy. He wants to take away the weekend. Bill Shorten is going to walk into every BCF with a baseball bat and destroy all of the tents and all of the eskies and all of the fishing rods. He's going to walk in and snap every fishing rod over his knee. I and of course, if there's one thing that we all know, it's that a um, it's that a lifelong uh, union member and former union leader would love nothing more than to end the weekend. Mm. No, Bill. Um, Bill that's Shorten what they're is, all about. Bill He's, Shorten appears to be ending all of Australia's TV time all at once. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's it. Well, I mean, they've they've also talked about um, about these the people are all subs. They're they're absolutely all subs. Like their whole, all of their fantasies are just about basically their ideological fantasies are just about like getting dominated by Bill Shorten, the world's <laughs> most like milk toast and ineffectual man, who I remember from only only once from having like bought a very large box of cereal on Father Father's Day. Other than that. It's, it's more a- that he's a very small man and the box looked very big. <laughs> oh, it's even better. But, but like it's, a, it's they love inventing stuff to get terrified about, and the fact that they're all terrified of Bill Shorten is just a constant source of delight. You you won't be able to watch Married at First Sight anymore because Bill Shorten's going to tie you up on a chair in the corner of the room, <laughs> and you'll only be able to eat when he come in and says you can eat, and he's going to twist your nipples really hard. <laughs> <laughs> they all want to get oh. domed by Bill Shorten. Bill Shorten's going to pay pig you. That's, That's the future right. that they want. And he's he's going to go out to work and he's going to leave you there tied up all day with a raging boner that you won't be able to touch. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> oh no, don't crush my car in front of me, Bill Shorten. <laughs> There's nothing don't I can do Don't take away my Hilux, no. Oh, you're telling um, me I can't leave for the weekend? Oh, I've been a bad conservative. <laughs> So there's, there is another um, very fundamental problem with the line of attack that they have chosen here. Um, when they say things like, it's going to end the weekend, uh, for example, 
For example, a Liberal Party advertisement running on Twitter, shared by Energy Minister Angus Taylor on Friday, derides Labour leader Bill Shorten's statement that electric vehicles could be charged in 8 to 10 minutes. The ad claims that in fact, quote, electric cars will tend to charge between about 8 and 9 hours overnight. So, you know, they're like... They love and they love telling people that you know oh it's going to take your whole weekend to charge your car up and you won't be able to go anywhere. Um, however, in a media release in October last year, Mr. Taylor said electric vehicles quote will soon have access to an ultra rapid charging network thanks to a six million dollar federal grant. The ultra rapid charge will provide a range of up to four hundred kilometers in just fifteen minutes, compared to a charging time of several hours. Mr. Taylor said. Electric vehicles have the potential to lower transport costs, enhance fuel security, and increasingly create more sustainable cities with less pollution and better health outcomes for our communities. So the problem with this is that electric vehicles have been one of the only things that this government has been willing to say are a good idea and they support because it's one of the only like completely passive means that they have for reducing emissions without interfering in the market in any other way. Um, so it's it's been really undermined. It's really undermining their criticism of the policy that um, they have spent millions of dollars encouraging Australians to use those vehicles and their MPs re- like very frequently do photo opportunities where they pull up out front of Parliament House in an electric vehicle and get out and go, Tesla's awesome and they should build a factory here, Mr. Musk. And like huh. their, their policies... <laughs> I really, I really like this particular part, again, as far as just being pay-picked by the government. Um, so, you know, they, they've got this massive freak out about electric vehicles. Um, from this report in the Sydney Morning Herald, official analysis by the Department of the, energy, of the Environment and Energy has suggested that electric vehicle uptake in Australia would be identical under the policies of both Labor and the Coalition. Energy Minister Angus Taylor, however, insists that Labor's strategy is unsound, despite the government's policy potentially achieving the same result. Hmm. So, so we're doing identical things. We're doing them identical ways, but uh, the other one's bad because Labor. Uh, well, I think the big difference is uh, the different size claw between the two parties. <laughs> and that's really... That's the thing that makes Labor's one particularly bad. It's a huge claw. Really co- quite big. The coalition let you kiss the Hilux goodbye. <laughs> they, let you, they let you have a few minutes with it. It's a little like free willy moment just before it's destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, pal. Yeah, good run together. Yeah, they um they let you they let you just sit quietly in the car and play Total Eclipse of the Heart on the stereo by yourself <laughs> for five minutes before you have to get out and say goodbye. <laughs> oh, so it's all it's all going great. Um, there's been another incident on the campaign trail, which I think really reflects how in touch with uh, people in the community the coalition is. So um, I don't know if you know who Peter Dutton is, Riley. I I well, here's the thing. My only exposure to Australian politics is your show. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, so not so, comprehensive then. So, so I, I'm familiar with the name, and I'm aware that he's like a cop from North Queensland. Yep, yep. He, um, he was previously he a, a, a Queensland of, cop. He did, and that he did a lot of um, locking people yes. up on <laughs> islands. Um, sort of like a lot of sort of like 19th century um, fantasy racism of being locked up on islands and you know being imprisoned on the high seas and all this. Yeah, he's basically turned um, escape from Absalom into a real thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good. Good, we're on the same page. 
And and if you would like to picture him, you know the scene in uh, Lord you of the Rings. You know I'd like to picture him. <laughs> you know the scene in Lord of the Rings where they're uh, where they're making like the the Urukai, the big the big super orcs, and they like pull them out of the ground, but they're they're kind of um, wrapped in like a like a mucous membrane kind of thing. Are uh, you telling me to imagine Peter Dutton covered in mud and mucous membrane and stay focused on this podcast? Yes, I'm saying that what he looks like is is one of those guys, but if they never took like the fleshy wrapping <laughs> off them. <laughs> so that's okay. that's how he appears. Um, he's he, in my mind. He's, he's a supremely unlikable man. Uh, he holds uh, a seat in the electorate of Dixon, um, which is in Queensland. Yeah, Ben? Uh, yes, that certainly is. It's yep. like northern Brisbane. So there's there's been a there's been a gradual swing away from from him and the Liberals um, over like successive elections. He attempted, I think, uh, a couple of elections ago, one or two elections ago, to abandon that seat and have himself transplanted into a much safer seat with a way bigger margin in favor of the Liberals, and uh, it didn't work out. So he's still stuck there. And he is in the seat of Dixon with a margin of about 2%. Um, and as said, he's just an, an extremely unlikable turd of a man. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with something now, which is my personal favorite way to approach this kind of thing, which okay. is to first give you the bit of news where, where someone's comments have been described as out of context and to then give you the context. Ooh, this is my favorite. <laughs> something like that so, happened um, in the UK recently. It was very fun. Oh, yes. It's very good. Uh, Michael Koziol, again, says, uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison says that Peter Dutton's comments on Ali France, who is his opponent in the electorate of Dixon from the Labour Party, were, quote, taken out of context, and he was not attacking her on the basis of her disability. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ready for that context? Uh, hit me with the context. This sounds like a man who pre-drinks a political debate. I'm very excited. <laughs> All right. Uh, the battle for the marginal seat of Dixon in Brisbane's outer north has already turned bitter as incumbent Peter Dutton claims that Labour's Ali France is using her amputated leg as an excuse. Uh, he I says, was really he hoping said, he'd say crutch. So he said, there are, there, are pl- <laughs> there are plenty of people with disabilities living in Dixon, Dutton told News Corp on Friday. A lot of people have raised this with me. I think they're quite angry that Miss France is using her disabilities as an excuse for not moving into our electorate. So, again, to give you some context around Ali France, Miss France, 45, lost her leg in May 2011. The former journalist was pushing a stroller containing her son through a car park when an out-of-control vehicle screamed in her direction. She tried to push the stroller out of the way, but it went under the car, which then slammed into France and pinned her against the front of another vehicle. She woke in intensive care days later and was told that while her son, Zach, had survived, surgeons had amputated the young mother's left leg from above the knee to save her life. France has door-knocked thousands of houses for the past few months while wearing a prosthetic, but relies on a wheelchair at home. She lives two kilometers outside the electorate, but has had trouble finding a new house in Dixon that can accommodate her specific needs. She's pledged to finish the search and move into the electorate if she snatches the seat from Dutton in May. So apparently she lives like like three minutes away mm-hmm. from this electorate. Um, but she has said, <clears throat> sorry, uh, Ms. France earlier said that she had, quote, 
searched high and low for a wheelchair accessible house in the electorate, but anyone who has a disability like mine will know that it's almost impossible to find suitable homes without stairs. Um, apparently she used $100,000 of the compensation money that she got from the accident to retrofit the house that she lived in and make it accessible for her. Um, she said that she would move to the electorate if she wins the seat at the May 18th election. If I'm fortunate enough to represent the people of Dixon, I will have to buy a home and renovate it so that it's accessible, she said. Unlike my opponent, who has nine houses, one of which is in the electorate, I have just one house that has been built to accommodate my disability. Oh. Which is really the perfect line to, to employ wow. there. Nothing, there's nothing more, more identifiable... Um, than, you know, having nine houses and shouting down the disabled. That's uh, just absolutely perfect conservative behavior, really. Isn't oh, absolutely. It? Just such a You'll perfect response. It. That's like the fucking Anton Sugar putting the fucking cattle thing against the guy's head and just noiselessly killing him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mr. Dutton's office did not respond to a question about whether Mr. Dutton's comments were insensitive. <laughs> Now, it should be noted that since this point, uh, Dutton has issued a single tweet on his Twitter account saying, I apologize to Miss France. My, my, my disagreement with her is around policies that we're taking to the election. Which I think, cons if you consider that in the context of the history of Peter Dutton, um, he, he never apologizes for anything, no matter how grotesque and and like explicitly xenophobic and racist um it is so the fact that he has issued an apology over this um suggests that you know it's it's actually a having a, a significant impact b that he has probably been yelled at by scott morrison who keeps getting asked <laughs> about it um and c that yeah there is only a two percent margin in that seat and and he's getting so much flack about this that he's like, oh, it's probably not great to be the uh, the guy who shouts at the one-legged lady in our election. <laughs> so, so you know, much like former Prime Minister Tony Abbott, who is also doing great things out there at the moment, it would be uh, pretty nice, no matter what the outcome of the election is, it would be pretty damn nice if um, if Tony Abbott and Peter Dutton got kicked out of the election. Now... There's one additional thing we need to yes. we need to very quickly try and cover this off. Okay. Now, as we all know, conservatives very good at satire, very good at social media, mm. very good at communicating with the electorate. Yes, I. It makes me nervous. Uh, there was get better and better at humor. <laughs> so they announced that there was an announcement recently that there was the formulation of a group called Advance Australia. And they said, we, we are positioning ourselves as the conservative alternative to activist group GetUp. Now, is GetUp an international body or is it just Australian? Uh, just Australian. I've is never it? heard of them before. So basically, it's, it is just like a, a, a grassroots campaigning thing where they, they put up various initiatives. Uh, activists, yes. Not real Australians. Yes. No, absolutely no. Okay. not. Act activists, um, which are imaginary types of Australians. They're activists, which means that they, they put up pages about various things, like various, uh, you know, policies they would like to pursue or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then activists, not normal Australians, um, contribute what they can in the way of funding. And then they raise enough money to have uh, money to, like, contribute to 
specific candidates in electorates like you know so they they have a campaign which is get peter dutton voted out and the idea is very chilling they raise money um to to run people against him and stuff like that so conservatives generally feel that this is some sort of extremely unfair thing that is being done to them and they're constantly trying to form some kind of alternative which is a problem because conservatives don't really have grassroots support they just get a lot of money from corporate interests and foreign donors so they announced that they had this thing that was coming out and then this thing came out and i would like ben to try and explain the concept and the execution of this thing to you okay hit me all right so picture a big orange fuck Uh, (laughs) okay all right you're you're walking around uh the 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 seat of warringah in sydney (laughs) you're having a beautiful day just a lovely afternoon and then this fucker in a a a, a muscle suit bright orange spandex with an enormous head uh and one of those like eye masks also orange uh, comes up to you, and he says, "Hi, I'm from GetUp. I love uh, foreign money, and my friends labour in the greens." And that's it. That's what happens to you. So what? Is, what is this? What do you think is occurring in that exchange? Um. Okay. Is is this like um? Is this like one of those, uh, like a human statue or a street performer? <laughs> is this is this some kind of like, is this busking? Well, there's no tricks and there's no jokes. Okay. <laughs> some costumed costumed mascot type man approaches you and says, "Get up is good," and and the Greens and Labor get support from them and they raise money from people and they spend it doing the things that they say they will do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Got him. Wait, let me Got let, him. let me read from the script here. Uh, okay, please do. All right, so this man in the flattest monotone ever, which I hope. Oh, actually, let's just play the video. Maybe can we do that? Isn't he American? Doesn't he have an American voice? Uh, he is Colombian, I believe. Colombian. Uh, what? He, he has Excuse revealed. Me? What okay. you need to imagine, uh, dear listener at home, if you haven't seen this, is that the horrible shithead in the suit is very terribly miming along to the words that were quite clearly recorded afterwards. Uh, The visuals are just horrible. The delivery is really what makes this. Okay, here we go. I'm Captain Getup, the Truth Crusader. After 14 years of secret backroom deals, they finally let me out of the office for Uh this election campaign. My mission is to show the world what clever tricks we use behind the scenes as we increase political correctness to manipulate voters to get what we want. Because trust me, at GetUp, we really know what's best for you. And in this election, what's best for you is actually one of us, Bill Shorten, my father and founding board member of GetUp. How exciting is that? So, I'll be traveling across the country over the next few weeks in the lead up to the election, letting you know about the foreign influence and donations that drive us, our links to the Labour Party and the Greens and independent candidates, like Zali, here in Warringah. We love you, Zali. I'm here to help. What? 
Is it heavily implied in that video that Bill Shorten has kept his son locked in a room for 14 years? <laughs> I've finally been I let free. They so. <laughs> just like paid someone to do this voiceover, right? Like they've given someone like ten dollars for that. I believe that's not he's a voice also actor. the person that's in the suit. Uh, it sounds. It sounds like they just got someone from Fiverr to like read yeah. dialogue into Absolutely. a mobile phone. It has like. Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but I only picked it up this time listening with headphones. Is that there is a weird bassy rumble to the video, like a just a very low, disconcerting something going on that I was like, is there a truck going past my house or something? And then took my something headphones foreboding. out. Something foreboding. Yeah. Also, a highlight from the footage that I didn't notice before is he's like standing in front of. Uh, a fucking a ferry terminal handing out flyers or whatever but he's sort of like kind of getting in the way of people and there is a woman just like hauling ass trying to get to the ferry before it leaves and he's like sort of blocking her off from getting in it's um yeah the whole thing is so weird because what I don't get about it right and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to or if it's possible to is this whole thing where they've just like created a mascot and they have put the logo of Get Up on his chest. Mm-hmm. And they have put the logo of, of the Greens Party and the Labour Party on his back. And he says, I am from Get Up. I am a representative <laughs> of Get Up. I am part of Get Up. And I'm here to tell you about Get Up. And I'm like, at what point, like, what I want to know is how soon does he get sued by someone? Uh, how soon do they get sued for doing this thing? And also, like, how soon does the Australian Electoral Commission get tipped off about the fact that this person is putting the putting the logos of political parties that they expressly oppose and then claiming to speak on behalf of them as they go around and confront voters in the street? Well, this goes like, back to not, like. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> oh no, I, th- I think the um, I think the deal with a lot of this sort of stuff, like whether things are. Are satirical, whether things are defamatory, all that sort of stuff. I'm no lawyer. I'm no legal scholar. But I think a lot of the time, the test that is put to these things is, would a reasonable person conclude, you know, that, that they are speaking on behalf of this organization or whatever? There was somebody, somebody tweeted at the Captain GetUp account and said, hey, they, they posted a photo of this scrunched up flyer and they said, hey, my 11-year-old son was bailed up by this fucking Captain Getup guy this morning um, and and filmed and talked to as though he were doing an interview with the news. But, but then he showed me, he was co- very confused about what was happening and then he showed me this flyer and I was like, oh, this is some bullshit. I said, maybe don't pretend that you're the news. And the, the official account replied and said, nope, he was interviewed by the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Um... And they went, what? no, no, you were there. You were there and you spoke to my son. And, he, and they replied again and said, no, he was interviewed by, by the real news and there wasn't anything to do with us. How do you know? And he's like, you, you were there and handed this flyer to my son that I present to you now. <laughs> so, like, so, so the extent to which, like, I mean, the, the irony, <clears throat> the irony of the fact that that this campaign is intended to show like the duplicitous and sneaky nature of the campaigns run by these other people. And they have done that by like 
at- attempting to sort of confuse the origins of this thing at every point and misrepresent who they're speaking on behalf of. I think like, they don't I- get what satire is. I think they think it's just pretending to be another thing. Well, yeah, basically, basically. Mm. Like also, it's it's conservative overconfidence again. Like he could have. Oh, everyone just, will know what this is. He also he also could have just you know Googled whether what he's doing is illegal, mm. but just instead did did it. It was like <laughs> I assume this will be fine. Well, I I don't think it's an exaggeration to say. And Ben and Lucy, please correct me if you have seen any evidence to the contrary. I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that I have not seen a single reaction to the existence of this thing or any incident of it being in the news or on social media or anything. I've not seen a single reaction that did not consist of people saying, I don't understand what's happening here. There's not been a single positive reception. Like when I did the article for work, I was looking at all of the replies to all of the, like, ten tweets they'd done so far, and not a single one was someone being like, ha good one. It's all people either saying, holy fuck, this sucks, or <laughs> what? Like, just people being like, I don't understand. It's this absurd thing where, like, this is, like, conservatives just have, or at least these sorts of political people, have no idea what people want or care about or understand, like... No fucking normal person is, like, thinking about get up all the time, getting mad about it. Like, (laughs) they don't know about them or care. So, like, this is a two-step thing of confusion of being, like, I don't really know what get up is and I don't really know whether you're taking a position that they're good or bad. Like... (laughs) It's just, it's just such like a... raising awareness of get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. They're just they're just going around and saying, "Hey, get up! I'm with them." Like, and, and also people like as... go home and Google and be like, "Oh, yeah, cool, oh, all right." Okay. There's another like, thing superhero, I want to yeah. another thing I want to draw attention to, which he's like, our tactic is to increase political correctness. As though there's just like a dial. Turn it up. Yeah. <laughs> Turn, Turn up, up the political dial. correctness more. Like. And, and I'll say, like, as, as somebody who is too online, thinks about politics too much, I also understand the origins of this thing. I know, like, I understand who the group is that is making it, why they're doing it, and what their desired, like, end outcome is. And I still don't understand what they're doing here. Like, I still look at it and think, like, well, I should say, like, like I said, I understand that what they want to do is damage the reputation of GetUp. But what I cannot understand by looking at anything they're doing is how how they how they think that people are going to or are supposed to receive this or interpret it. I, I genuinely cannot fathom any measure of that part of it. Um, it could so, be like they just thought that everyone else was as sort of in, infuriated at all times as them, and that as soon as they discover that there are people that are campaigning for stuff that they're going to get as mad as we are. Like, you just have to tell them that GetUp exists, and then, they'll, of course, they'll get mad. How dare you campaign for stuff? Well, it's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole thing, though, I think, uh, a continuing thing in Australia where uh, conservative politicians have this really outsized hatred for GetUp because they genuinely seem to think that it's, like, an unfair advantage that progressive groups are able to just raise money and support from normal citizens. Mm. 
Like they, they genuinely seem to think that that is like, you know, un- unbalancing the playing field in an unfair way that, oh, well, yeah, well, you guys are talking about things that like people actually want to happen. How's that fair? Like, they just, they, they, yeah, and they, and they seem to think that this is like, you know, tipping the scales in some horrible way. And it should be noted that this is, this is only the latest in a string of like, uh, you know, conservative, um, it's, it's never, it's never really made clear where the money for these groups is coming from. But it's the latest in a string of attempts to build a counter to get up. The one before this was a website called The Fair Go, I believe. <laughs> Already offline. Already <laughs> offline. And it, and it was basically um, somebody just attempting to make a like Huffington Post style website to the extent that they had very clearly just ripped off like the, the design, the layout, the branding, everything about the, the Australian version of the Huffington Post website. Um, they had ripped all of that off and then were just filling it with like they they were sort of attempting to write articles in the same sort of tone about like, hey, everybody loves cutting tax rates for medium-sized businesses. Am I right, kids? And um, shockingly, people didn't really get behind that. So that one collapsed and now we're back with the very, very confused Captain Getup. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be keen to see like um if anything actually comes of this if the if he if he like the fair go just kind of stops existing at some point um or it would be even more delightful if um the captain get up winds up in court he's up there in the dock he's still got his head on uh, <laughs> testifying <laughs> you know what this reminds me of um this happens in the UK all the time because, like, you know, are you familiar with Momentum? Not yes. the concept, the group. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... So, like, the, the, the grassroots labor support group? Yeah, like, the grassroots labor left group that's, like, quite involved in pulling the party to the left. Um, the Tories keep saying, ah, it's unfair that labor have Momentum. We need to make a Tory version of Momentum. <laughs> and there have been, like, eight. <laughs> and they've all been embarrassing <laughs> failures immediately. <laughs> Um, like turning po- like like um or the like, turning point UK as well, but the 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 original one, the original Tory momentum, because they were like, yeah, it's unfair that they get to campaign with memes. We have to campaign with memes, and it's just this insane little bit of reverse causality. Like people like momentum because of the fun memes, and not they don't make the fun memes because they're like excited about the policies. No, yeah, it's, it's memes. It's, it's it's they only like people only care about the output from these groups and not the basis for their existence. <laughs> not it's, the fact that they actually have like policies to speak to that people are interested in and think might benefit them in some way. And it's the same thing with the, with the get up stuff in Australia. Like the reason that they exist and are able to influence things is because they say Hey, wouldn't it be good if Peter Dutton got voted out because he's a huge piece of shit? And thousands of people say, yes, here's $10. (laughs) People can all agree with this stuff and it's fine. Um, So, so, you know, they they seem to think that because these, because this group like raises money and then is uh, essentially able to like uh, provide a, a war chest of funds for independent candidates that run against these particularly loathed politicians or people in seats that have been like you know safe liberal seats for decades and they want to like 
um, you know, get get a, a popular person in there and actually have a good run at, you know, swinging the seat away from them. They think that it's this, like, massively, fundamentally unfair thing, despite themselves having a massive fundraising infrastructure, uh, which isn't really going that well anymore because at the last election, um, the Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, had to contribute a million dollars of his own money to make up the fundraising shortfalls that were happening because it's almost like everybody fucking hates the Conservatives. Okay, I I, I, I looked this up because I wanted to give you the facts about uh, Activate, the tor- the Britain version of the, the Get Up, Captain Get Up. Oh, for um, sure. It was founded on the 29th of August, 2017, after, like, you know, Corbyn got, um, performed very well in the 2017 general election. It was formally la- it was launched in March 2018, and then it dissolved on the 31st of May 2018. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's so good. There eight weeks of just <laughs> no one replying to anything you're posting online. Well, it, like it formed in, in the previous August, but it like launched in March and then just immediately failed. Immediately um, collapses in on itself. A membership in the group was 500 pounds fuck <laughs> and um whatsapp messages were leaked between two um alleged like uh officers in the group um yeah i i i, I it's not clear what they what they were but talking about um gassing the working class and performing medical experiments on them Ah, uh, wonderful. Those classic conservative talking points. Isn't it yeah. weird that um that every time there is one of those controversies of, you know, uh, chat logs being leaked from like... The same thing happened here where it was... um There was a thing recently where it was like the, the young liberals, so the, the youth wing of the Liberal Party were doing... Uh, they were trying to, to do um, like campaigning by matching with people on Tinder and then telling them that they should vote for... <laughs> Telling them they should vote for the conservatives, which everybody loves, and um, and so they had like a, a Facebook group going in which they were they were having this conversation with each other, and it was just all of the male members of the young liberals saying, "Oh, I matched with another fucking disgusting pig dog, and told her to vote for things, but I wouldn't fuck her because she was fucking fat and ugly." And then the small handful of conservative women in the group going. Why, why are you doing this? Can you please stop saying this? And it just going and going until somebody has eventually uh, leaked the chat logs to the uh, to the paper and forced the the sort of um you know the the head of the Liberal Party to say, oh, now we have to ask those people to resign because it looks <laughs> too bad. Not because uh, this is just what our internal culture is. And and uh, we would have been totally fine with it anyway, but because it's in the paper now, and we've lost yet another fundraising resource. I mean, this keeps it just keeps happening, and it's it's unfair that it only it only happens to conservative uh, youth groups because they're they're playing in a disadvantage because they seem to only be able to recruit you know closeted white supremacists or other like psychopaths. Which is weird. I don't know how that keeps happening, but um, how the ding dang heck does these psychopaths keep getting in my young conservative group? <laughs> 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 now we're just about run out of time here um but but folks we we have a special plea for you we have a special plea for you on this this day um our dear friends over at trash future hi are trying to win an award 
<laughs> Attempting to become an award-winning podcast. What is the name of the awards? Right. So, a brief bit of background uh, to this, which is that um, it's the British Podcasting Awards, and I want to make it clear that I don't particularly give a shit about um, being recognized by the British podcasting establishment, um, but rather I was in. I sort of saw that there was a, a, a weekend event that was like, ah, yes, the spectrum of polit- a festival of po- political podcasts from all across the spectrum, from the center left Romaniacs to eight far right versions of like James Dellingpole. Um, so they just seem to have forgotten that like independent left wing podcasts exist or conveniently as people frequently do. Um, so basically what we want to do is win this award so we can be like, A, fuck you, we do exist. And B, so we can expose a bunch of like, um, a bunch of the stuffed shirts at the BBC to our, uh, wild 1990s brand of in your face comedy. <laughs> Like, look, like, you know, are, when, the, when the Looney Tunes became the lunatics, you know, they oh, became yeah. all sort of, yeah, they got cool and, and like, and like dark and edgy and stuff. We're basically that. Uh, and, and the stuffed shirts can't handle it. Well, I was going to make an Animaniacs joke, but then we're just back to the Romaniacs. <laughs> uh, so, so we're going to put the link uh, to that in the, in the show description and post on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Let's, let's get a bit of that sweet socialist uh, collective action going. Because um, I've I've done my part, and it it takes like fifteen seconds. Uh, you just type "trash future" all one word in there. Stick yeah. your name in. Hell hit yeah. vote. Let's get and Captain Getup on the case. Let's get, <laughs> let's get Captain Getup mobilizing for us. And I think we can all agree that it would be very funny if these guys won an award <laughs> and people had to listen to them talk up on stage uh, until they started getting played off by you know the orchestral music getting piped in turned up <laughs> gradually to an ear splitting level as they refuse to leave the stage i will cling to that stage with my fingernails <laughs> right, four four weak bbc staffers holding you by the legs as you grip onto the podium <laughs> and furthermore <laughs> i am absolutely what here's what our goal really is it's this is the last year they're going to have a write-in public choice. That's and we, I want that we want to, to make sure that they know it's the right thing to do to stop having that. Right <laughs> they they don't know it yet, but this is the last year they're going to have a write in, a write-in public choice. That's it. All right. So um, so obviously we would love to get everybody's support on the case. Please check out the link. Chuck him a vote. It only takes a second. Come on. Oh. Who doesn't love a bit of foreign interference in an election? You know? <laughs> Bunch of activists. That's it. So, um, on that note, we will wrap it up. As always, if you enjoy the show and you would like to support us and you would like an extra episode every week and some more bonus content and all that sort of stuff, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Vista. You can find Riley on Trash Future. Uh, on iTunes and I guess Stitcher and all that other Spotify everywhere you find but you can look in the sky we do do smoke signals like wherever mm-hmm. however you want it we'll sky right in I don't care search for Trash Future great podcast um, they get a lot of really good guests on there uh, they're funny guys and we love them all very much Aww, uh, Lucy and I have both been on there it's been great fun mm-hmm. and I'm sure we will continue to um, to internationally trade hosts Indeed. with each other in the future to share podcast partners 
That's right. Mm-hmm. Collective podcasting. Trading. This, this, is, this is the future Bill Shorten envisions for Australia, is mm-hmm. one collective podcast that we're all on. The podcast polycule. That's us. That's it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks very much for your time, Riley. Yo, thanks uh, for having me on. It's been a blast. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.